Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be looking ahead to Sunderland's championship fixture against Watford at the Stadium of Light. There's two games to go in the regular championship season so to preview the match joining myself Joe Nicholson we are joined by Andrew French from the Watford Observer. Andrew how's things? Um, it's far more enjoyable to talk about things than it is to watch things Joe. It's been a uh... A very disappointing season. Mm. Yeah, well, the last time we saw Watford was all the way back in September. I'm sure it seemed ages ago for Watford. It was actually Rob Edwards' last game in charge of Watford. It was a two-all draw that game. Um, Sunderland coming away with a late equaliser from Jewis and Bennett. Obviously, a lot has gone on since then. Watford are now on to their third manager of the season in Chris Wilder. They've had Slavin Bilic in between that. But can you just sum up kind of how disappointing of the season it's been for Watford, considering they were one of the pre-season favourites. Yeah, it's been massive underachievement, Joe. Um, you know, you don't you don't ever sit in the Championship, which is a notoriously difficult division, and think, hey, we're going to get out of this easily. But when you're a relegated team and you've retained players like Ismail Sar and Jao Pedro, I think the minimum anyone connected with Watford was expecting was the playoffs. And there were a lot of people who thought that, you know, automatic promotion should be our target. And really, we've we've been so inconsistent that you could never at any point think, yeah, we're definitely going to make the top six. Um, I mean, the stat that backs that up is we've only once this season managed to win consecutive games. And if you don't win consecutive games, you don't get on runs. And that's been our problem. We, we've never really looked like we've got it together. And when we have you know, flirted with the top six, it's almost inevitably been followed by a bad run. Uh, no one, I don't think, expected us to have our season dead by the time we got to the last two games of the season. But we really are just playing for pride. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a sad indictment on the season, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you say, Watford now, just looking at the table, now uh, all the way down to 13th and in the bottom half at the minute and are out of that, that playoff race. But Chris Wilder's come in. He came in at the start of, March, presumably to kind of have that immediate impact to try and get Watford into the playoffs. It's not worked. Just looking looking at his record now, it's two wins, five losses and two draws under him. So what sort of state are Watford in? I saw his comments after the, the Cardiff game, which were very strong, um, was questioning kind of the attitude of the players, was saying they're a group of individuals. So what kind of shape are Watford in coming into this game against Sunderland? Well, if you go back over the last two seasons, Joe, Watford have had six different coaches in two mm. seasons. We've had an ex-England manager, a Premier League winner, the former head coach of Croatia. We've now got a man who took Sheffield United the Premier League. And none of those six have managed to get a tune out of the Watford squad, which sort of suggests that, you know, you could put Pep in there or peak Alf Ramsey and they would struggle. It, it's not the head coach situation. We've got a group of players who, as Wilder rightly says, on paper look great. And they are a good bunch of individuals, but they've not made a team and they haven't made a team for two seasons. And so what you end up is with when the chips are down, they they collapse because they're not really united. There's no real bond there between the players. And, you know, a perfect example, the last couple of home games, playing against teams who are in the relegation fight, so Huddersfield and Cardiff, We've led both times, and yet whenever the opposition have scored, you can see our players just retreat. It's like watching the opening credits of Dad's Army. The arrows just go backwards. And, you know, 
we invite pressure. Players go off and do their own thing. As Wilder said, you know, formation goes out the window, tactics go out the window, and we just look completely devoid of any shape or pattern. And and you can't blame the managers for that because they've tried everything: three at the back, four at the back, wing backs, full backs. We've tried everything. This current squad needs breaking up and starting again, and that's what will probably happen in the summer. So, you know, who knows what will turn up at the stadium on Saturday. Watford on their day are capable and have beaten Burnley. We've beaten Sheffield United. We've had some, you know, some good away wins at places like Norwich, but we're also capable of chucking in an absolute disaster like we did at home to Cardiff and uh, home to Huddersfield. The away game at Luton was a particular in the deer for us. You know, you're, you're arch rivals and we only had two goal attempts. And I think, although mathematically, Watford have been in the playoff reckoning for some time on the pitch. Anyone watching it would say, no, they're not a playoff side. So who knows? Um, you, you, there's always that feeling that when you've nothing to play for, you can go and be completely free and do what you want to do. But with our players, it doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, that they're under no pressure. They play well. Sometimes under no pressure, they play badly. You'll know pretty early on. Um, and if we go behind, then, as I say, we do have a tendency to then just retreat and there's a lot of Watford fans who are fearing, you know, a, a, a real heavy scoreline on Saturday, um, particularly because you're going to have a massive crowd there. There'll be very few from Watford. Um, you need the points. We don't. We haven't got a particularly good record at the Stadium of Light. You know, this is one of those where if you were a gambler, you'd be thinking it's a banker home win. But I should imagine from your side of the fence, you're thinking this is the sort of thing we could slip up on. But, mm. you know, would have to be significantly better than they have been in the last six weeks to cause you any problems. Mm. Well, I kind of thought it was a hard one to predict because Sunderland have dropped points at home this season. As you kind of mentioned before, the quality in that Watford side, you look at people like Saar and Pedro, they're the kind of two that really stand out and they're both linked with big money moves away in the summer. They're still there, but Watford do have kind of the quality of that sort of player. So how are they kind of viewed at the minute, particularly Saar and Pedro, the fact that they've stayed and, and had a season in the Championship? Um, they're, they're viewed quite differently. Uh, mm. uh, Pedro is still seen as quite a hero. Um, mm. he's, he's very young. He's 21. He's captain the side. Um, he's one of those players that the way he plays, he looks committed. You know, he's, he covers a lot of ground. He wants the ball. If anything, that probably goes against him because it's one of the things that Wilde has said is that when, you know, Watford are struggling... Joe Pedro wants to be everywhere and do everything, which you can't do. You know, you want him at the top end of the pitch when often you'll find him on the edge of his own penalty area, getting the ball and trying to run 50 yards with it. But the Watford fans like him. They like his effort. They like his his passion. They're less keen on Saar. Um, Saar, just because of the way he looks, he, he can look a bit languid. His body language, sometimes he looks a bit stooped shoulders. Um, you, you know, they, they, he's a good player, but I think, a lot of Watford fans wouldn't have been too disappointed if he had left in the summer because what we've seen from him this season hasn't really lived up to what we've seen previously. And his best form this season was for Senegal in the World Cup, um, which I think says a lot about where maybe his heart and head is at. He is a very talented player, but he doesn't always put it in in the same way that Gio Pedro does. Look, if they were to both click on Saturday and have good games, we could we could be very, very, you know, dangerous to you but the fact that we're sitting 13th in the league tells you that they haven't clicked or played too often this season mm -hmm. 
they're obviously the two that stand out. But are there any other players that Sunderland will need to watch out for? Or who are the kind of key players that if Watford are playing well, those players will be playing well? Well, the hard thing to, to predict is what the eleven is going to be on Saturday because right. Wilder stayed loyal to sort of his core squad up until mathematically we're out of the playoffs. But he said he wants to give some young players a run. Now, he's already done that at right back. A uh, lad called Ryan Andrews is only 18, has played the last four and has done very well. Um, we could see one or two more of the academy products coming through. But obviously, Wilder's also mindful that he's got to be sure that we don't play such an inexperienced team that there could be, as Burnley found, you know, people pointing and saying, well, that's not fair. Yeah. In terms of players that are key to Watford... Um, Ryan Porteous at centre-half, uh, who we bought from Hibernian in the January transfer window, has become a bit of a talisman. He's one of those players who wears his heart on his sleeve. He's he's someone you can tell he's played Scottish football and has blended in in English football really well. You know, he's, he's blood and thunder, um, really wants to win every ball. He's, he's totally committed. Uh, we'll need him to have a good game because, um, you know, he defensively, we, we aren't great. Um, we're not particularly great going forward, but defensively, we have had games where we've just surrendered and the white flag gone up early. But since Porteous came the second half of the season, the defensive performances have been better. In terms of other key players, Imran Luzer, um, who plays in the middle of midfield, uh, had a, a season interrupted by injury. He got um, a, a really bad uh, ankle injury, broke his ankle and tore his ligaments uh, just before the World Cup and didn't go, didn't play for Morocco. Uh, hasn't quite been the same player since he's come back but is still capable. Um, is, you know, is is a key figure in our midfield. Someone who you know will progress through the thirds. Is comfortable on the ball, can pick a pass. But as I say, in all honesty, Joe, it, the way things are, the morale, the recent performances, the changes that Wilder could make, I, I couldn't comfortably predict our eleven on Saturday and, and think I'd mm. get more than maybe six right. Mm. How has Wilder been setting these teams up? Because we saw when he was at particularly at Sheffield United, he played with that back three and wing backs with them overlapping centre backs. How's he kind of set his team up at Watford and how will they approach the game at Sunderland? He started with the three at the back um mm. with Watford. Uh and you know you saw the sort of the the centre halves almost acting as like a full back at times with the full with the wing backs being pushing on and we were very attack minded uh, and that didn't work. So then we sort of we tried a bit of four four two. He's tried everything four Three one two four two three one. Within games, he's changed it. You know, it's it really is like watching you know someone just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, I feel sorry for him. You know, he has tried everything. He's tried all manner of different things. None of them have worked. Um, as you say, you know, he's won two games out of nine um, away from home. We haven't won at all. So yeah. again, as with the lineup, I, I wouldn't be sure of what formation he'll play on Saturday. I mean, he, you know, he does like three five two, but then. We've been playing with four at the back simply because the three didn't work. So, um, I, I mean, I don't think he'll go there and defend. He tends to like to get on the front foot and he likes to have a lot of possession. He likes to mm. be the side that attacks. But, you know, if you look at our record, even when we score first at home, we don't tend to hold on. Um, away from home, we've not been scoring at all. You know, we're, I think our run at the moment is three wins in 17, which sort of tells you, you know, that... He's tried everything. He's shuffled everything. Nothing's really worked. So, mm. as with the the players, I wouldn't even want to guess what the formation is. It's Saturday could be, you know, it could be that um, he does something different with different players in there. We click and, and we see a different Watford, but something wholesale will have to change because 
that you know on form there's nothing there to say that we're going to burn the place up mm -hmm. obviously well we refer to those comments that he made after the cardiff game a few weeks ago they then went away to hull and lost one nil was there any sort of reaction in that whole game was there any kind of sort of positives after because the, the comments he made after the cardiff game is they were very strong saying they're kind of a group of individuals he questioned the physicality and called mentally weak is what he said as well so was there any sort of response in the whole game well it was better in as much as Hull scored relatively early so midway through the first half and yeah. normally for us that's a sign that we uh, then collapse and we didn't so we kept it at one um but that that may be as much to do with the fact that Hull didn't really get forward very much I think they only had two goal attempts and one of them was the penalty um, and we had the lion's share of possession and, and we did go forward. But in the final third, our choice of pass, our attempts at goal, I think it took until 82 minutes for their keeper to make a proper save. So although we had a lot more of the ball and we spent a lot of time in their half, you never felt at any point that we were particularly going to get back into it. Um, we had a good penalty appeal turned down, could have drawn the game. But um, there was a reaction there in as much as we didn't completely crack. But, you know, it, I said that it's like comparing a dead body with someone in a coma. That's where we're looking at. From being absolutely zero, you can't get much worse. So we have improved, but it, it you know, it really, it wasn't very encouraging. The fans booed them off and you know, that's been the pattern for the last few games. Mm. As you kind of alluded to earlier, it could kind of go one or two ways, couldn't it? Now, Watford don't have anything to play for, so the pressure could be off and it may allow them to play with a bit of freedom and also not sure about Wilder's future either. Um, he's obviously just signed a short-term deal to the end of the season, so could he just go out and maybe a bit gung-ho and go for the game with nothing left to play for in the kind of last two? Well, Wilder always knew he was here for 11 games and yeah. he's always said as well that, you know, if the club wanted him to stay longer, he'd be happy to have that conversation. The things he said more recently haven't changed that he would want to stay, but he's not been suggesting that it's likely to happen. So he's talking about that he's been giving feedback to the club about what he thinks might help them. But he, he used a phrase last week, you know, that I will give them a, a document that outlines all the things I think need changing and they could either read it or throw it in the bin. So it sort of suggests he, he's not pinning his hopes on being here beyond uh, the last day of the season. He, he could go gung-ho. I mean, he's one of those managers like, you know, I don't, I don't think because of the situation, if we were playing another mid-table game, he might want to go and throw four or five youngsters in there. But because yeah. of the situation, if we did that, I think that the teams around Sunderland might have something to say about that. So I don't think he's going to you know, completely go off script and, and do anything bonkers. Um, and he'll always play your key players. You know, I, I would be surprised if Pedro wasn't playing. I'd be surprised if Loser wasn't playing. He has dropped Saar. Mm. He might do that. But... Really, it's, you know, that even the players on the bench, they've all had a taste of action and none of them done particularly well in the last few weeks. So I, th I think, you know, he, he's always said that every game there is something to play for, even when, you you know, you are only playing for points and pride. Because in his view, every game is an opportunity to impress, to play well, to cement your place in the team. So that's his thoughts. The problem has been that his thoughts haven't always been mirrored in the performances. So... You know, what he said before a game and the sort of rollickings that you're talking about he's handing out afterwards have had minimal effect on the performances, which sort of suggests, you know, the players have, they've obviously looked at it and worked out at Watford, you know, that managers come and go. And if results aren't good, it won't be them that loses their job. It's the manager. And there is a little bit of a feeling like that now that, you know, they're, they're marking time. They want to get through to the end of the season. So 
you know, I, it sounds very vague and a bit unprofessional of me, but I've no idea what's going to happen on Saturday with the team mm. selection, the formation or the performance. You know, the, you're right, the, the pressure's off, but then we haven't really had much pressure on recently anyway, and we still haven't performed. So mm. who knows? Yeah, I definitely think it's, it's quite a hard one to predict as well because now obviously Sunderland are right back in that playoff conversation and, and they have to win really to, to keep their spot in the top six. But just on team I, news... I think, was, yeah. I think the atmosphere, Joe, could be really key because yeah, big crowd know, what, Watford, Watford's players haven't tended to perform particularly well in tricky atmospheres. So we didn't do very well at Millwall, which isn't the biggest right. stadium, but it's intense. Um, we did particularly badly at Luton where you're, you know, the fans are right on the top of the pitch yeah. and it was our rivals and they made a lot of noise and you could see some of ours going back into their shell from the minute they stepped out on the pitch. You know, you're talking, I know, you know, there's some chance of it being 45,000 on Saturday. Mm. You won't be able to hear ours. You know, if you get some noise going and you get a goal up early, then I, you know, I, I, I'm not seeing where the spirit and character is going to come from that would drag Watford back into it. Watford's main hope is that you don't score early and you know get a bit of frustration, maybe a bit of nerves around the stadium. Yeah. But you know, I, I think you know it, it all, all points to if you, if Sunderland do what they can do with the crowd behind them, that you know everything else points towards you taking the points. Mm. Yeah, Sunderland fans will be happy to hear that because it is such a big game now that the the win over West Brom last weekend, as I said, has put them right back up to to sixth in the table, but. Just on Sunderland have got a lot of injuries coming into this game. I was just having a look at Watford's players that are unavailable as well. It looks like they've got quite a lot of injuries as well, quite a lot of long-term as well. So what is kind of the latest team news coming into the game? Um, those, those players that you're talking about have been injured a while. Um, like Sunderland, Sunderland, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, in, term, in terms of fresh injuries, there's not any that I'm aware of. We had one or two. So we had an under-21s game on Monday. Um, we had a couple of senior players playing that. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be roughly the same squad, maybe with one or two of the, as I say, the academy players that have been knocking on the door added in. You couldn't point to injuries. We earlier in the season, around Christmas time, we could use injuries as an excuse. We had sixteen players out, but right. around that time, we also went and won at Norwich when we were literally down to the last eighteen people who could walk. So you know, it's it, there's no there's no way you could offer it injuries as an excuse. We've got a good enough squad. We've got nearly all our key players. What we haven't got maybe is is the leadership of a Cleverly or a Gosling that would have come in handy. But, you know, even with those on the pitch, the individual performances game by game, you know, I don't think anyone could have changed it. It's, this is, a you know, a ship that's been sailing in the same direction for a while. And, you know, there's been nothing to turn it around. Mm -hmm. Just finally, Andrew, we just usually finish by asking our guests how you think the game is going to go. And just for a quick score prediction, for Saturday's match? Um, you probably detected in some of my answers that I'm not coming there full of confidence. Mm. Um, I, I can't see beyond a home win. I really can't. Uh, if if you don't score early and you get frustrated and there's a bit of nervousness, then, then maybe. But on what I've seen and looking at you know what Sunderland are doing and you're coming into a bit of form at the right time, notwithstanding the fact your home record isn't all that, I, I, I would think, you know, 2-0 Sunderland would be mm. where I'd be heading. Yeah, I was edging towards 2-0 as well, just from listening to what you're saying, that I think the crowds could play a big part as well. I think, you know, it's going to be probably maybe a sellout crowd and thinking back to that playoff game that Sunderland had 
against Sheffield Wednesday last season when they got promoted from League One. This almost feels like a bit of a playoff game for Sunderland because it is kind of now to that stage where every game is there's so much importance riding on it. And if Sunderland can win and then be in a good position going into that last day, it's in their hands to finish in the playoffs. So uh, I'm edging towards a, a Sunderland win. But as we said before, it's, it is quite hard to predict and the pressure is off Watford now. Um, and they have yeah. all that quality in the squad. Sunderland's always a stadium, even when Watford were doing better and we were in the Premier League. It was always mm. a hard stadium to go to, I felt, simply mm. because of the noise and the number of people there. Um, and, you know, you very rarely hear your own fans. I think that'll make a massive difference on Saturday. You know, just because you've got something to play for and we haven't, you know, I don't think we'll bring more than 600. Um, mm. You know, you, you will dominate in terms of noise. And, yeah, I think that that could be the key if you can get your players going early then yeah mm. of course i've probably set myself up now for a famous away win and everyone will say i was a you know mm. mr negative but i'm i'm just trying to be re- reflect what i've seen and yeah I, I, two two nil sunderland would be what i go mm-hmm. well andrew thanks a lot for joining us on the latest episode of the raw podcast and if uh, you like what we do here at the sunderland echo you can uh, consider subscribing on our youtube channel or whatever you listen to your podcasts and uh, you can leave a review on there for the latest SAFC news, you can head over to the SAFC section of the Sunderland Echo website. You can find the thoughts of Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray, and we'll have more build-up ahead of Saturday's match at the Stadium of Light when Sunderland take on Watford. We'll also have post-match reaction and analysis throughout the weekend. So once again, thanks a lot for listening to the Raw Podcast.